That's the sound of Anne. He's a 27-year-old powerlifter. He's lying on his back and he's just lifted 150 kilos. Anne is paralysed from the waist down and he lives in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Twenty twelve was a memorable summer for Irish sport. Among the highlights was the success of the Irish Paralympic team at the London Games. But Ireland was also involved in helping teams from the developing world to improve their chances at the London Paralympics. We took the Paralympic team from Vietnam under our wing, as it were, to help them out in their preparations. It's early July and I'm at their training camp in Ho Chi Minh City. But this is Vietnam. There's no, there's very little, uh, you know, what you call it, private space, you know. Right. Vietnam is yeah. people everywhere. People everywhere. Um, I'm uh, Garvin McCann. Uh, I head the Irish Aid Programme to Vietnam. We're um, very much now involved with uh, supporting this Paralympic team who will visit Ireland, where they will um, undergo some training for a number of weeks before the Paralympic Games in London. We regard this as a a great opportunity for uh, developing uh, Vietnam-Irish links. Irish Aid is uh, very much engaged in assisting uh, disability and addressing disability issues in Vietnam. As well as four powerlifters, there are four swimmers and three in the discus and javelin. They'll be joining up with and competing alongside the Irish Paralympic team in the weeks ahead. We see this as a great opportunity to highlight the whole issue of um, how people with disability can achieve. The team are just um, will in, within the next week will leave for Ireland. And uh, the, you know, their facilities here are really quite basic. They're in a, in a public sports uh, ground here where they have there's a public uh, swimming pool and uh, uh, facilities where they, they're joined in with everybody else. So things are really quite basic. It will not be as, as the same standards as we'll expect in the, uh, down in the University of Limerick. They will certainly be uh, experiencing a major change in uh, temperature and conditions when they get to Ireland. And I think that's to what they recognise, the need to acclimatise and get used to uh, European uh, conditions. This is a totally new situation for them. Uh, they've never, uh, the Paralympic team, have never been facilitated with any training overseas in preparation for the, for the Games. Training facilities in Ho Chi Minh City are basic to say the least. I'm meeting two of the field athletes. They're training in what doubles as a horse racing track. You're both on the on the team. Yes. I'm Tim. Hello. Yeah. You are. Um, my name Hai. Yes. Hello, Hai. And you are. Uh, my name home. Home. Yeah. Home. You're going to London. Yes, London. I'm um, traveling, and discuss. Traveling and discuss. Yes, traveling. Okay. And hi, what do you do? Um, I do electric uh, uh, traveling uh, and discuss. And discuss also. Yes. Okay. 
The team are training intensively, having taken time off work and college. Some are self-employed, some of children that they will leave behind for their six weeks in Europe. Vietnam is an incredibly busy place. Traffic everywhere. It's noisy and chaotic. Not the kind of place to be disabled. The country has undergone massive change in recent decades. Um, as we develop our economy so fast, people seem to be more carried away with the hard issues of the economy um, other than the social issues, you know, particularly with the people with disabilities and sometimes the voiceless people. That's Thea Griffiths. She works with the Vietnam Veterans of America Foundation, set up by American soldiers after the war. She's particularly interested in the effect of the Vietnam War on disability in the country. In Vietnam, we have like 80 million people and uh, we have about 5 to 6% of the population uh, with disability. Um, and a lot of these people with disabilities has a direct um, relations to the war in Vietnam. Uh, you can look at the legacy of the unexploded bombs in Vietnam, all the dioxin contained in the chemicals that was used by the US in Vietnam. Uh, during the war time, there was about over 15 million tons of uh, munition that were dropped in, the, in Vietnam. There would be a small percentage of that would not go exploded due to various reasons, technical reasons, topographical reasons. And uh, when it doesn't explode, it stays on the ground, subground, or even 10 or, meter, 10 or 15 meters down uh, underneath the ground. And as Vietnam going through the development process, and we are a country with large population with a very small area of land, so the need to access land for economic reasons is very high. So we have a high number of people uh, become victims of landmines and unexploded bombs in this country. It indicates the problems of the past, but I would say that there is a problem of today or of the future, if we do not address it appropriately. Irish Aid, over the period since it's been involved in Vietnam, we started our program in 2006, would have invested about 1.5 million euros into uh, disability issues. Now, we work, for example, for about nine, with nine or ten, um, what we would call NGOs, non-government organisations and community organisations, to work to empower the, the, their communities to to raise the voice for people with disability and to aim to get special programmes for, for people with disability. It can be uh, issues like uh, training, training courses, um, uh, maybe loans to, to open small businesses. Um, so, because it's very difficult uh, for disabled people to get jobs, uh, very difficult for them to get into the, um, to the workforce. Vietnam has more people with disabilities than the entire population of Ireland. And that Irish aid contribution works out at about 30 cent per head. One of the disability advocacy groups funded by Irish aid is DRD. It's led by a woman who was directly affected by disability as a result of the war. I, uh, I got the polio when I was two and a half years old because uh, my village is in the remote area. So uh, the access to uh, vaccines was really rare at that time. 
Yes, during the, uh, the, the war. That's UN Vo. Many of the Vietnamese Paralympic team are also disabled by the effects of polio. Uh, I think that the challenge is very universal for any person with disabilities. Uh, first of all, they face the inaccessible uh, environment. So you see that if you in Vietnam for several days, you will see that it's not easy for a person in the wheelchair to go around. But uh, uh, the, the, the process to build the accessible environment will be long and also expensive. As part of the support to disability groups, Irish Aid has offered to help the Paralympic team come to Ireland for a training camp before London 2012 to help them acclimatise and avail of our training facilities. This helping hand given by Ireland to the Vietnam Paralympic team is having a big impact in the local media and the significance of the gesture, given our current economic situation, is not lost on disability campaigner Thea Griffiths. And I think it is a very valuable contribution by the Irish government and Irish people, particularly it is a time that the Irish is going through a very difficult time with its economy. And Vietnamese people know that, and they will remember this act of kindness from the Irish government and people for a very long time. Um, and, and I also see that although the relationship between Irish uh, people, government, and Vietnam is quite new. You know, we only have the second ambassador to your country and to our country, but the relationship has grown so much, so close to each other. The team are having a final get-together just before they leave for Ireland. You've all got your um, uniforms. You've all got your T-shirts. Very good. Hopes are high that Vietnam can win its first-ever Paralympic medal. Well, um, can I just introduce myself? My name is uh, Garvan from uh, Daisukwan Island, Irish Embassy. And uh, we're all very excited uh, about your trip to, to Ireland, and I hope you are as well. And I'm very interested in seeing uh, how you're getting on in your training. So I, I'm just very interested in what people, what they feel um, about their trip to Ireland. Do you think uh, food, do you think that will be uh, an issue? I don't know about the coaches as well. Do you think that you will be getting the right food? Because the food will be very different in Ireland. How are you going to address that issue? I hope I, uh, we can eat uh, Vietnamese food or in the iron. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, but I'm sure that they will make sure there are plenty of rice for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can have soup. Yeah, soup is your first course. Uh, but we don't have uh, soup and noodles in the morning, so maybe that is something you will want to organize. Yeah, we have cereals and uh, bacon and eggs, a lot of meat, we eat a lot of meat. But do you like potatoes? Because we eat a lot of potatoes. None of the team has been to Ireland or the UK before. So this will be a cultural experience as well as a sporting one. We speak Irish. Yes. You want an Irish song? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, 
Paralympic team flies into Ireland in July of 2012 in advance of the London Games. After settling into the University of Limerick, I meet the team again in Dublin, where they arrive for a pre-games meeting at the Morton Stadium. But you're going to have to win some medals now. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Among those greeting them is the overseas aid minister Joe Costello. Yeah, I think it's wonderful the fact that uh, the Vietnamese team can come over here to Ireland prepare for the Paralympics. Irish Aid is very much involved with Vietnam and uh, Vietnam probably has the highest rate of disability in the world with 7% of the population of disability. We pride ourselves in Irish Aid in uh, reaching the poorest of the poor. But on top of poverty for the ordinary person, if you have a disability, you're, you're in further difficulty and that's an area that we concentrate on and target very much is dealing with disabilities and in doing our best to ensure that where Irish money is spent overseas and helping people that it is spent in trying to ensure that people with disability are treated as equal and that they get an opportunity of participating in life fully and independently. The, the Most of the people that I've been speaking to here from Vietnam, they're from quite impoverished backgrounds and as I told them that if they do win medals that uh, we'd be taking credit for it and we expect <laughs> them to come back to Ireland to display the medals. The team speaks almost no English, so their interpreter, Chi Mai, fills me in on what's been happening and how the team got to Ireland. Ho Chi Minh City and Dubai and Dublin. So they only stop off uh, in Dubai for seven hours. And when they got here, they were really tired because it was a 24 hours journey. 24-hour journey and then another three hours to Limerick. Uh, but when uh, they arrived in uh, Limerick, everybody was happy because we had uh, about 10 university people waiting, queuing up and waiting for us, get off the bus and clap hands and welcome. So they really feel like home and um, they're very happy. And... Um, uh, the team checked out the sport facility the first day and they were really happy with the uh, uh, Olympic-sized swimming pool and other uh, facility. And um, they were welcomed with uh, Asian rice and fish sauce. So, um, and the accommodation was great, accessible for uh, um, disabled people. And because it's Ireland, the weather inevitably makes it into the conversation. 
They said that because they only have the training session in the morning, and uh, the last few days only rain in the afternoon, so they didn't have to miss. They didn't miss any training at all because in the morning the weather was fine for them, and it's not too cold for them. But for Anne, the weightlifter we met earlier, adapting to the Irish climate is a cause for concern. I'm not get, uh, I'm not used to the um, uh, weather here, the climate here yet. I'm still adapting. Uh, and uh, in Vietnam, um, I train uh, outdoor, but here it's in, indoor and have the aircon, uh, and I don't, I don't get sweat. So it's, I'm still adapting to that. Being away from home does not uh, affect me so much because I know that uh, I'm here to do my best and uh, to train hard. In Dublin, the Vietnamese Paralympic team are meeting some of their rivals for the first time. The Irish Paralympic team are here and the two teams will compete in the Morton pre-games. It's time to get down to business. So ladies and gentlemen, you're welcome to the Morton Stadium Santry on a blessedly perfect day for athletics. Um, well, it's now half four, so the first event is starting now. It's probably the most competitive event. It's the women, men's and women's seated discus. That's James Nolan, Irish Paralympics athletics team manager. In, in this competition, because we just have Ireland and Vietnam, we're, we're letting them all compete together, um, and then we, we, we can work out on a points basis where they finish. But in the Paralympic Games, obviously, they're all in their own different sections, like you would get in, in, in say, boxing. There's middleweight, heavyweight, whatever. Um, but, but here, we're, we're letting them all compete in the one competition. Okay, and it's, it's very competitive, Paralympics, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's 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 you know it's we run the same program as the Olympic program, so we have European Championships, World Championships, and Paralympic Games. They have Europeans, World, and Olympic Games. It's much the same, so it's a parallel uh, sort of a mirror image of, of able-bodied athletics. So I, th- I think some people have a perception that Paralympics is just all about participation and that anybody can enter and, and get in. Mm. But qualification is a serious business. Yeah, as well, it's exactly it? the same. We have A standards and B standards. Um, and people get left at home. People who have, you know, an A standard that's not good enough or we don't see it as competitive enough. Um, so they have qualified for the Games, like you will find in the Olympic Games. And we have a selection committee and we pick people who are going to go over there and do the business. So it's definitely not about participation. It's elite sport. They're training twice a day. So it's, uh, it's a full-time job. One of the Irish medal hopes in London, in the discus, is Catherine O'Neill. Yeah, I'm Catherine O'Neill from New Ross in Wexford. I'm one of the Paralympian athletes that's heading to London. Hopefully this time I will get a medal. But it's, it's not always about medal. It's about competing right. and representing your country. You always like to come home with a medal. But even getting into a final. I know as you say, it's, it's, it's not just about, about winning. It's about competing rather than about participating. Because I think some people think because people have disability that it's just about showing up and... Like because you have a disability, some people think you don't work as hard or train as hard. And, but we're just like able-bodied athletes. We, we train, if not even harder, but just as hard as them. In Ireland, Paralympic sport is well-established. 
but it's a relatively new idea in Vietnam. The Vietnamese women's discus thrower Hai tells me how she became involved in sport. I play sport since uh, 2004 when um, one of the coach, uh, one of the coaches tell me that uh, uh, there is a disability group uh, and I can play sport. And I was thinking, uh, oh, it was very uh, funny because if I'm disabled, how could I join, how could I play sport? Um, but then uh, when uh, he showed me the pictures, I realized that it's possible. Hoi has progressed quickly. Today, she's keeping a close eye on one of the Irish team. We have on the Irish team here now we have Orla Barrio won the European Championships only uh, three weeks ago and she throws 30 metres from a seated position which is fairly impressive. Uh, she'll be aiming for, for a medal in, in London. She finished fourth at the last World Championships. I'm on today. Uh, yeah, it's a good event to um, to help our, our preparations. Like It's another five weeks to my competition so we're just here to check where we're at and see how things are going. At a competition like this, really, you're just here to kind of um, check where you are yourself, like, and really, like, you don't come here today to win medals or anything. You just come for your own distances and and to check where you're at. What what goes in there to to actually getting set up for yourself now? You know, you you don't just walk into the cage and, and throw. There's a little bit more involved for you in terms of getting set up. Um. Yeah. Well. Like we all have different straps and stuff like because we all are tied in differently because of our disabilities and all our frames are different again to suit ourselves and um like just make sure that you're warmed up properly to, you know to keep injuries away and um you have to go in focused and know what you're doing so like as part of your warm up you do visualization to know in your head what it is you have to do so when you go in you're ready for it. You need a lot of patience as well because it is. It takes yeah. longer than. than I don't you know. have very much of that. That's something I should work on, really. But uh, ah, yeah, like it's it's grand. Like you know, when you when you know what you're doing and you feel settled in the competition, well, then it's fine. But if you, if you start to panic, then things can go wrong. And have you had Olympic experience? Yeah, I was in Beijing. How did that go? Great. Um, I came fifth. And I've kind of been moving up in the rankings of it, so hopefully by London I might move up a bit more again. Right, and is it is it different because it's in London? It's not on the other end of the world. Or yeah, it's, it's not yeah. quite our home Olympics, but yeah. Well, even like preparing for London was very different to preparing for Beijing, and like I have a lot more supporters going over as well. The fact that it is so close. Um, there was very little, like, you didn't have to worry about acclimatisation or anything like that, whereas in Beijing, that was one of our main worries, really, was, like, the food and the weather and how we'd cope when we get there. But there's no worries like that when you're only going to London. And it's funny because the Vietnamese athletes that I've been talking to, that they That's have That's probably that their major worry, yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, like, no matter where they're going to be held there's always countries going to have that worry so we're just lucky this time around For the uninitiated Paralympic sports setups can look a bit unusual Competition number 5 
There's some seated discus going on here now. Tell me just a little bit about the chairs. Are they individual or how, how does that work? Yeah, it is. There, there's specifications on, on height and, you know, holding bars and, and, and so forth. Um, so there are regulations set down by IPC, International Paralympic Committee. Um, but, yeah, they're individual to, to each athlete, obviously, yeah. Same way as running shoes would be individual to a, to a runner. Right, and I, I mean, I presume there's no performance enhancement involved in any of the any of the chairs. Is it just well, there, there are rules, and uh, if you're asking in the past, have people tried to use chairs that are illegal? Yes, they have, but that's what the officials are there for to to judge and make a call on that. And if the the, the chairs don't meet regulation, well, then the athlete doesn't throw. There was a little call there as well about adjusting straps after the, the competition had started. Is that is that something that they're strict on as well? Or? Um, yeah, well, the athlete needs to be secure when, when tied down uh, because they're putting a lot of force um, in the throw. So they don't want to fall forward, obviously, if, they, if the frame is loose. They'll also, uh, they won't get the, the block when, when they're releasing, so they won't throw as far if there's movement with the, with the chair and it's, it's unstable. It's five weeks before the London Games, and there's still a bit of settling in to do. One of Vietnam's other discus contenders, Hung, tells me how he's adapting to Irish food. Come on, khoai tây chiên. Chips. Chicken. Chips and chicken. Cá, cá chiên luôn. Fish and chips. Fish and chips, we've had fish and chips. Bò, sốt, sốt cà chua với bò. Làm theo gần khẩu cái hương vị nó gần gần như người Việt Nam mình ăn And uh, Irish uh, stew Sốt, sốt với cà chua mấy gì nó, nó gần he, gần như Việt Nam mình He loves it and he thinks that that uh, dish is very similar to uh, a Vietnamese dish Okay, with the beef and With the, the beef, yeah, and tomato and uh, sauce and, uh, Về về đồ uống em thấy sữa ở, ở Ireland mình rất là ngon And I think the milk in Ireland is very good <laughs> Whatever about the merits of Irish fast food, the Vietnamese team are for the most part positive about the Irish experience. Tong is one of the swimmers. He'll be competing against the Irish as well. Uh, the uh, sport facility uh, is great and also the food is nice. I think the condition here is great. We uh, couldn't expect more. And, and tell me, what, what's it like for training now? Are you, are you able to train more? Is, is the pool... What's the difference in, in the training? Um, the pool here is Olympic standard and it's indoor pool, so it's very good. While in Vietnam, back in Vietnam, uh, we had the outdoor pool and the weather was really hot in Vietnam. Um, but here we have a very nice climate indoor pool, so uh, our coach gives us a tougher, more intensive training. And tell me one thing, the biggest difference between Vietnam and Ireland. It's very cool and relaxing here. Nice. Everybody is very friendly and uh, lovable. Back in the competition, Hai from Vietnam is attracting the attention of Irish team manager James Nolan. 
So you're saying that Hoy, who's just thrown the discus, the Vietnamese competitor? He's in the same competition as Orla Barry in London. So Orla's obviously keeping a close eye on her and vice versa. And Orla's in next, so it's very interesting. The Vietnamese team leaves the Morton Games with a few injury worries, but still hopeful of that elusive first medal. The Irish team are in good shape and confident of a result in London. The next station is West Ham. If you're going to the Olympic Park, please simply walk towards the front of the train, cross over the footbridge and take the uh, walk to the Olympic Park. Thank you. It's five weeks later. I'm in London to catch up with both the Irish team and Ireland's adopted team, Vietnam. The energy and excitement of the Olympics has carried on to the Paralympic Games. Inside the Olympic Stadium, I catch up with the Irish Athletics team manager, James Nolan. Yeah, it's bigger than it's ever been before. Um, The media interest is massive. 81,000 people in here in the stadium every day. It's, It's... Really unbelievable. Uh, the reports coming back from Ireland, from, from, from family and friends uh, that I chat to, they're talking to me about the Paralympic team on first-name basis, saying how well Jason did and Michael did. So um, they're on first-name basis with the athletes, which is, uh, I think it's a first for Paralympic sport. The awareness is definitely growing. Uh, we'll be on a big recruitment drive now back in Ireland when, when we get back after this, because obviously... Um, athletes out there who are competing in mainstream sports and have a slight disability will realise, oh, you know, this is an opportunity for me. We'd love to have them on the team for real. So, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be me as the manager of, of the track and field team. I'll be <laughs> actively recruiting new athletes in, in the coming year, into, year or two. Since we met the last time in Morton Stadium about six weeks ago, things have been going amazingly well for the Irish team. We knew Jason Smith and Michael McKillop we're always going to win, win gold, and they've proved they can do that. Um, personally, as the manager, I wanted to push some of the other athletes on the squad of 10 up onto podiums, and we've been very successful over here. Orla Barry has secured a bronze medal, and currently, as we speak, Katrin uh, O'Neill is lying in second position um, in, in her discus competition. So we'll know in the next hour and a half if she can maintain that sort of area and, and finish on the podium on the top three. And of course, Catherine O'Neill does win her medal at the discus, and she sums up the importance of winning. It's a dream come true. Like I came fourth the other day in the club, and like you know, fourth. No one wants to be in fourth place, like you know. So finally, I got that medal I wanted. So in Beijing, there was ninety thousand people in the stadium as well, but like it's not like what's here. But they do cheer for everybody, and. Um, as you can hear the noise in the background again, but it is, it is, it's magical. While there's joy for the Irish, our adopted Paralympic team from Vietnam experiences the disappointment of coming so close, but not getting a medal. They've left the stadium, but just outside the Olympic Village, I catch up with Tong the swimmer and the weightlifter Luan about the experience of London 2012. They both look so disappointed 
But Luan tells me about how they have tried to do their best in this, the biggest event for Paralympic sport. In her weightlifting category, she finished up fifth, while Nigeria took the gold. She says they've learnt a lot and she just hopes that people back home in Vietnam realised that they've done their best. Tong, you were in the swimming. Were you this morning, today? I can see that Tong, who took part in three of the swimming events, is disappointed not to have gotten a medal. He reached the final in the 50-metre freestyle and 50-metre backstroke and in the final of the 100 metres S5 freestyle. He set a new Asian record, just ahead of Ireland's James Scully, but again failed to take a medal. For the rest of the Vietnamese, in the men's javelin, Hung was just two inches short of a bronze medal, finishing fourth. Hai was throwing discus in the same event as Orla Barry, who won bronze for Ireland. She finished 11th. But in her specialist event, the javelin, she narrowly missed out, coming fourth with a personal best. And remember Anne, who we met at the start of this journey. He lifted 163 kilos in the final, but finished fourth, just nine kilos behind the eventual gold medalist from China. Anne is back in Ho Chi Minh City, training hard for Rio 2016.